0: This morning, we are going to be starting this Love Does series, and we're going to be in 1 John chapter 3. We're going to be looking at verses 18 and 19, but before I read those two verses, I want us to read 1 Corinthians 13, in verse 13, and it says this, Three things will last forever. Three things. I don't know about you, but when I read that in the Bible, I am now curious about what those three things are. What are those three things? Three things will last forever. Faith, hope, and love. And the greatest of these is love. To, to understand what love is, we have to dive into the depths of not only who we are, but who God is. God at His very core, God at His at the essence of who God is, is love itself. 1 John 4.16 He loves And He is love. God is love. He also created and He designed you and me, He designed us to have an internal need to be loved and to love, to love God and to love others. For that reason, knowing and experiencing love is both a means as well as the end of life. It's everything. Love is what we're all about. The two greatest commands in the Scripture Love God and love people. And so this morning and throughout the rest of the series, we're diving in. We, we had better know, we had better have a better understanding of what love really is. Throughout this series, Love Does, we're going to be dealing with several aspects about the nature of love. Now, these are more or less universal principles about how it works and how it grows and what it is. Love is a central element to so many aspects of our life. Love is the central element to our marriage. If you don't have love in your marriage, you don't have a good marriage. Love is the central element in our family. And for a family to be vibrant and healthy, love has to be there. Love has to be there in our dating relationships, in our friendships, even at work, in our churches. A good working definition that I like to use for love would be this. Love rejoices in the betterment of the other. Let me say that one more time. Love rejoices in the betterment of the other. Love is thrilled when the other person has benefited in some way by its efforts. Love is thrilled. Love goes beyond the desires of ourselves. And instead, love desires what is best for the other person. Love is void of selfishness. It's not about I. It's not about me. It's about others. It's focused on others. It's focused on what is best for the other person. And when we really love, when we really give up selfishness, we enter the world Of the other person's needs and hurts and dreams. Church, that's what it means to really love. When we love, we enter the other person's world. We care about what's going on in their heart and in their mind. We care about what their struggles are and what their pain is and and what their successes are. We care. When we love, it involves every part of who we are. When you love, you literally bring your entire being into helping and becoming close to someone, whether it be to God or whether it be to other people. This is why love cannot be reduced simply to an emotion. Love is not simply just a thought or a behavior or a choice or even a commitment. Love involves the whole person all of who we are love is investing our very souls for the sake of the other it's loving like matthew 22:37 says it's loving with all of our heart with all of our soul and with all of our mind and isn't this what jesus did for us jesus he entered our world our world that was full of needs and hurts, and dreams, and fears. Jesus set aside his personal wants and his desires. There was no selfishness in him whatsoever. And he came into our world so that we could be better off. He came for our benefit. So that we could have a way out of our brokenness. And this leads me, hopefully when you came in today, you got a bulletin. This leads me to the big idea that I want us to to walk away with. If you walk away with anything today, I hope that you walk away with this. Love, here's the big idea, love isn't worth much until there is a cost involved. Let me say it one more time. Love isn't worth much until there is a cost involved. Two verses that we're going to focus on today. 1 John 3, 18 and 19. Let me set the context for us before I read those. This is a letter that was written by the Apostle John. But it was written by him when he was an older man. So, as I'm reading this, I like to picture a kind, gentle, wise grandfather. And he is writing this letter to younger believers in their faith. And he's trying to inspire younger believers... To live out this love, to share this love, this wonderful news, this gospel, to pass it on to others. So as I read this, man, think about that wise, kind, loving, gentle grandfather. And this is what he is speaking as we read this in John, first John chapter three, verses eighteen and nineteen. The apostle John says this. He says, Dear children, and he's speaking to us. He says, Dear children, Let's not merely say that we love each other. Let us show the truth by our actions. Verse 19. Our actions will show that we belong to the truth, so we will be confident when we stand before God. Let's not merely say that we love one another. Point number one in the sermon today is this. Point number one is, talk is cheap. Talk is so cheap. Remember, love is not worth much until there is a cost involved. Time, effort, vulnerability, humility, sacrifice. I mean, these are just a few examples of the price tag of real love. God's commitment to love us was so costly that He gave His very life. And even then, many people still reject it. Even then, many people still don't believe it. Yet God has no regrets for loving us so lavishly. Let's consider this for just a moment. How do we know that God loves us? As I was preparing this sermon this week, I kind of did a mental case study. In my head. There's a buddy of mine that I have been praying for since high school. His name's Ryan, and he is an avid atheist. Does not believe in the existence of God, says there is no God. And man, I have been praying for him. And uh, I had him in my mind as I was trying to answer this question How in the world would Ryan know that God loves him? How in the world would he know this? You know, Man, as important as it is. Many of us, we we grew up in the church. Many of us, we know the right things to say. We know the song that says, Jesus loves me. This I know. Sing it with me. For the Bible tells me so. Little ones to Him belong. They are weak, but he is strong. Man, that was good singing. Maybe you're here this morning. And you don't know. Man, I've heard it, but I like God loves us. God loves us. How how do we know? How do we know that God loves us? As important as it is, the Bible says so. Is that how we know? Is that how we can truly know that God loves us? Because the Bible says so. I've had many conversations with Ryan and you know what? It doesn't matter to him doesn't matter to him that the Bible says so. doesn't matter. It's not enough. So how in the world will he know that God loves him? How do we know that God loves us? I've heard many Christians say this. Well, it's just the way it is. He's God. And, and whether you believe it or not, that's just the way it is. So God loves you because that's just the way it is. Is that how we know? That God truly loves us. Because the Bible says so. Yes, it says so. And I'm so glad it does. It's so important. But is that how we truly know? Do we truly know because that's just the way it is? It's, It's just, He's God. You're not. He loves you. Believe it or not, that's just the way it is. Or how about this one? This is a good one. Do we know that God loves us because I'm standing here telling you because Justin said so right because Jay said so that's how we know that's how we know that God loves us and there's pastors all over this country all over this world right now telling congregations that God loves them is that how we truly know though that God loves us listen church these are so vitally important I am so glad the Bible says so I am so glad that that's the way it is. And yes, I'm saying so right now. But once again, keeping this mental case study in my brain about my buddy Ryan, you know what his answer would be to these? Nope. No. Not good enough. I don't, I still don't know if God truly loves me? How do we know if God truly loves us? How do we know this? Here's how we know, church. Here's how we know that God truly loves us. He proved it. Yes, He said so. Yes, that's the way it is. Yes, pastors are saying it all over the world. But He went one step further. And He proved His love for us. And He proved it by giving His life. By laying His life down for us. He proved His love for us. Talk is cheap. Talk is cheap. But love isn't worth much until there is a cost involved. And God proved His love for you by giving His life for you. John goes on to say, let's show the truth. Okay, let's not just merely say that we love one another, but let's show the truth, or let's show that we love one another by our actions. Here's the point number two in this sermon today. Point number two is this. Love equals action. Love equals equals action. If you say you love God, it means that you're making effort to seek Him out. It means you're you're making the effort, you're taking the initiative to, to deepen your relationship with Him. I think a lot of us, we say we love God, but there's no evidence to back it up. We say we love God? Really? Are you pursuing Him? Are you seeking after Him? Are you investing in that relationship with Him? What does this look like? What does this look like? You know, before I go on and say this, let me just be as lovingly blunt as I know how and say, can we please stop blaming the church for our lack of growth spiritually? Can we please stop blaming your small group leader or a teacher or let's stop blaming. It's your job. It's your responsibility to grow, to seek after God, to take the initiative, to grow your faith. Yes, we are a support as pastors, as a church, as a small group. We're supporting. But you are the one responsible to take the initiative, to read God's Word, to be in prayer. What's the old farming quote? You can lead a horse to water. Thank you. From an old farmer. (laughs) You can lead a horse to water, but you can't make him drink. I, I, I encourage you, church, drink from the living well. Drink from God's Word. Spend time on your knees seeking after Him. It's your job to grow in your faith. What does this look like? You know, for many, it can be a really difficult process because of some of our past hurts, because we don't trust anyone, let alone God. Okay, listen, and listen really, really close. Love involves risk. Love means that you, you're bringing all of your hurts and you're bringing all of your mistakes and your feelings, you're bringing all of you, all of your mess, and you're bringing all that to, to the feet of Jesus. And you're taking the risk to trust God with your most intimate, deepest, darkest secrets. You're you're laying them at the feet of Jesus and you trust God with your innermost being. It's risky. Remember, He proved His love to you though. You're not bringing your your innermost being to a God who's going to abuse you. He's not going to mock you. He's not going to ridicule ridicule you. He's not going to go, wow, you did that? Dang, you know. He is for you. He's not against you. He laid down His life for you and He is not going to take advantage of you. He won't mock you. He won't abuse you. You can trust Him with your deepest darkest secrets you can trust him because he proved his love it wasn't just talk he proved it he's proven his love through his actions love without risk is an immature love listen if you think you love someone but it involves no risk you know very little about love you don't know much about love if it doesn't involve risk Because love, truly loving someone, means you are making yourself vulnerable. And it has to begin with God. And He can be trusted with who you are, your innermost being. Now, I don't know about you, but for me, understanding love when it comes to God, this is a no brainer. I mean, this one's easy for me. Because He is a safe place, He has proven Himself, He has proven Himself to be faithful. For me, it's easy. Okay, I, I, I love God. I can go to Him. I know He's not going to ridicule or abuse or abandon. But when it comes to loving our fellow human beings, <laughs> oh man, it just went to a whole nother level. It's a no-brainer with God because He's a safe place. But when it comes to loving other people, other fellow human beings, this is where it gets difficult. This is where the the hard challenge comes in because many people are afraid to get close or to love other people because of their past experiences. I've been there. I've, I've tried that. I got hurt in the past. I'm not doing it anymore. A lot of us will try. Here's what happens. A lot of us, You know, there's some people, man, that they'll bounce from marriage to marriage to marriage or from relationship to relationship to relationship because they're trying to find that deep-seated satisfaction in someone other than God. But they're trying to find that perfect, safe environment. They're trying to find that knight in shining armor who has no dents, no mistakes, you know. It's just that perfect, safe environment we're waiting for that perfect relationship to emerge before we attempt to love again. You know, it, it's a sad reality that our willingness to trust is deeply wounded, and we all need repair. We all need we all need work in this area. But here's the fact, church: a totally safe place. When it comes to fellow human beings, a totally safe place does not exist. It doesn't exist. And you know why it doesn't exist? Because we're all messed up. The Scripture puts it this way, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. We're all messed up. We all have the ability to hurt one another. We all have the ability to wound one another or to break trust. Sometimes we love someone and we get hurt in the process, but here's where the risk comes in. Here's where the risk comes in. A lot of people choose two different paths. They, they A lot of people, they get hurt or maybe man, they, they loved and that love was broken. And so they choose the path of bitterness. They choose the path of hatred and anger. And it's a miserable, miserable path. It's a miserable, miserable existence. The Bible says it actually leads to death. Or you can choose, you can make the conscious decision to take the risk to love again. It's risky. It's risky and I'm not making any promises to you. I'm not saying you won't ever get hurt again. That's the risk. but love isn't worth much until there is a cost involved. And leaving, loving God is easy because he keeps his word, He's faithful, he's trustworthy, but loving people, it's full of risk. And sometimes we get bruised in the process, sometimes we get kicked around in the process. But listen, the alternative, choosing to not love or choosing the path of bitterness and hatred, it leads to a miserable existence. Church, as your pastor, I implore you. I exhort you. I actually wasn't going to use this word, but I am. I beg of you to get out of your comfort zone and to take the risk and choose, make the conscious decision to love again. Choose to love again. Choose to love again. I picture this old, wise, loving, gentle, kind grandfather who says let's not merely say that we love one another let's show the truth by our actions our actions will show that we belong to the truth so we will be confident when we stand before god you know we we're taking this so serious here at grace church the pastors this week we gathered together and let me just say you have a group of pastors We love to have fun, okay? First of all, we like to enjoy ourselves. It's like, hey, there was balloons on the logo, so let's have balloons, you know, on the stage. It's like, I don't know, it's weird, but let's have fun. Um, But one of the things that we have noticed is, first of all, the people of Grace Church are so stinking generous. It's unbelievable. We have helped so many people in our community. We have helped people with rent payments and with medical bills and with electric bills and and heating bills, gas bills. We've helped people with food, and it's because of your generosity. But something we've been noticing lately is that there's a lot of people in Grace Church who are actually really struggling. I don't know if it's a season that we're in, but there's some families that are, some of them aren't really making it. They're struggling. They have some needs. I guess I'm giving you a heads up to just pray for it, but next Sunday, we're actually going to have a list of some families in our church who have some needs that we want to meet. And we're asking the church to put this into practice. Let's not just merely say that we love one another, but let's prove it through our actions. How awful would it be How awful would it be if there was a family in our church Man, they were faithful and serving and loving and they were working their tails off and they drifted away because their needs weren't met. Many of us could say, well, God was supposed to take care of their needs. I adamantly agree and I adamantly disagree because God uses his people to meet the needs of of His people. That's how the world's going to know, church, that we love one another. or, or that that That's how the world's going to know that He is real, is by our love one for another, rather. Next Sunday, be here. Be ready to be, and maybe, maybe you can't meet needs financially. You're like, man, I'm kind of tight right now too, but you can pray. You can take a need, and you can send notes of encouragement. You can give a phone call and say, hey, let's go to coffee. I would love to just encourage you. Gosh, we need to see this so much more so much more that was a rabbit trail point number 3 point number 3 is in the form of a question what is the motivation for your love first john 4:19 the apostle john makes it very clear you see motivations can be so tricky we can be doing all kinds of good things and our motives are, are, are a mess. We can be doing for our own glory or so that people recognize us or uh, just so we feel better about ourselves. But First John 4.19, the Apostle John really clarifies it for us. He says the only way that we can love one another is because God first loved us. He proved it. The only way that I can truly love my wife the way God wants me to love my wife is because God set the example. The only way I can love my boys the way he wants me to love my boys is because God set the example. The only way I can love you, the people of Grace Church, is because God set the example. And did you notice it's in that order? Okay? You would have been at the bottom. Okay? You would have. Honestly, if it was up to me. But I can genuinely love you. And honestly, church, I do love you because God first loved me. If it was just my flesh and what Justin wanted, man, it wouldn't be pretty. It wouldn't be good. But I can love because I have a great example to look to. I have a great picture of what love looks like. I can love because He first loved me. The only way you can truly love the unlovely is to remember that God first loved you even though you didn't deserve it. He loved you in spite of your brokenness, and it's for that reason that we too are able to love the unlovely. The only way we can love our enemies is because He already demonstrated how to do it. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. To wrap up this sermon this morning, I'm, I'm going to show you an eight-minute video. And... Uh, It's a story about uh, Burl Cain. Burl Cain is the warden of the Louisiana State Penitentiary in Angola. And uh, before I I show you this video, I guess I wanted to take just a brief moment to answer why. Why are you showing us this video? I want to answer the why. Church, I want you to know this video is going to communicate it in in a, in a beautiful way, but I want you to know that God is alive and well, and He's actively changing hearts and lives at this very moment all over the world. He is alive and well. And you know, sometimes it's so easy for us to get caught up in our own little lives, in our own little town, in our own little bubble, that we fail to see what God is doing Around this, around this globe. God's love is actively changing hearts as we speak. So I want you to watch this incredibly powerful video, and I want you to see God's love in action in the Louisiana State Penitentiary. Check this out.
1: On the day you were transferred to Angola Prison, what went through your mind? Um, I was honestly scared to death. I remember looking around the bus. Some of the men' faces you could see terror, bewilderment. Some of the men' faces was just a blank stare. It was the bloodiest penitentiary in the nation. You had two types of people. Predators and prey. Either you became among the most violent men or you were one of the most abused men. killings almost every other day. They were saying that you make sure you find your shank and keep it on you and watch the company you keep. And since Warden Cain has come here, it's a different prison because it's different leadership.
2: Angola is a maximum security prison with 6,300 prisoners seated on the Mississippi River with 18,000 acres, which is about the same size as Manhattan Island. and 90% of the inmates you meet are going to die here. The reputation was such that I didn't want the job. I did not apply for this job. I did not say, please let me go to Angola. I'll do you a good job. I said, I don't want this job. And so I was tactically coerced by the Secretary of Corrections, who is a dear friend, to take it temporarily. I came here in 95, so I've been here a little bit over 20 years. When I became a prison warden, I told my mom, she said, let me tell you one thing. She said, God is going to hold you accountable, that they have a chance to know him. And if you fail at that, he is going to punish you. And I said, yes, ma'am. Immediately when I came here, it was a horrible place and it was running me crazy. There was blood everywhere. They would fight with a lock in the sock. They had weapons. We couldn't get the weapons, and we couldn't get through it. The first time in my life that I really felt that God talked to me was here, but it was also the first time in my life that I was desperate enough to listen. The whole deal was, if I could make a moral, I could heal the prison. We found a morality in religion because in our culture, you find morality quicker in religion than anywhere else. And I'm desperate for morality real quick. Now, the cool thing about moral rehabilitation is everybody from every group, atheist or what have you, wants people to be moral, and he wants them to rehabilitate. So those two words could find no enemies. Turn in your textbook, please, to 151. Jesus is talking with the disciples in the setting of the upper room.
1: And Warden Kane brought the seminary, the New Orleans Baptist Theological Seminary. And they have an extension center here, a four-year college, two-year associate, four-year bachelor's degree in Christian ministry and theology. What better way for God to change a place than for men to learn about who God really is? The Bible College has also trained men not just to go serve in their church. A lot of the men that have attended the school have been strategically placed in the dormitories to help change the culture and become lights. It works, in some maneuver.
2: If you're truly rehabilitated and you change your life, you also learn it's better to give than to receive. Criminals are takers, they just take, take, take. So to break that cycle, we need to have programs so we let you show your mall and, and feel like you're the moral person and give back. So then we started the toy shop where we make about 6,000 toys, wooden toys, that we give away at Christmas. We probably give away 1,500 bicycles at Christmas. We do Johnny and Friend's wheelchair, who sent 1,700 wheelchairs to third world countries. We work in the field and harvest all the vegetables by hand. Everybody has a job here. There's no unemployment, and that's a good thing. The work is meaningful work. It's not just make work. But the point is, the culture changed in the prison totally to where the mom and daughter can walk anywhere in the prison. There's no whistles, no catcalls, no graffiti. There's no gangs in the prison. And the stats are incredible when it comes to violence. And so, truly, God did Second Chronicles 7.14. He healed this land. Uh... It's almost like a revolution It's a God-driven revolution Where God drives our culture And God drives what we do And we get our spiritual guidance from Him And we listen to Him And look, it's amazing He really does tell us what to do I can't believe it like me
1: Warden Kane has opened up the doors in this prison for programs to take place for ministries to come in for churches to function for things to happen that wouldn't normally happen in any other institution he's a different type of leader because of the God factor I don't know his walk I don't know his everyday life but I know that he has a relationship with God because it shows in the everyday events in this prison And if it had not been for that relationship, many of us wouldn't have a relationship with God either. I don't have any love for any man as great as I do for Warden Kane, nor any more respect. And for a convict to say that he loves a warden is not going to win me very many fans, but it's just fine. He has brought so much opportunity in this prison, and he gave me the benefit of the doubt when no one else would.
2: You gotta do that little devotional every morning. Because if you do that little devotional every morning, you're just putting the gas in the car and you're keeping it going because it gets you where that you can hear God. It's not that He just all of a sudden says, Do this or do that so much. He makes you think it. And then you realize I couldn't have thought of that because it'll be such an awesome thought. And that thought you're having because you're close to him and you're praying and you're praying for guidance and leadership that You're going to think of it. The legacy that I leave here is not bricks and mortar. The legacy we leave here is what's in the hearts of these men.
1: Nothing else
0: could change it. You know, if it seems like a tall order to to love, it is. It's going to be one of the most difficult challenges, one of the most difficult things that you commit to. But listen, there's no other worthier cause than to commit to love again, to commit to love God and to love people. It's worth it. It's so worth it. And I just want to encourage you again in 1 Corinthians 13, verse 13. I want to ask you to ask God to help you grow in faith and in hope. But especially in love. Ask Him to help you to grow in this area of love. At this time, we're going to take communion. And... And what a great time for us to reflect from the heart, to think from the heart and remember what Christ did on the cross for us and why He shed His blood and the sacrifice that He went through and how brutal it was. But this morning, I want us to reflect on something just a little bit different, something we don't reflect on much during times of communion. I want us to reflect on the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Yes, his death was brutal. Yes, he went through so much on our behalf, but his death would have meant nothing if he had not risen from the grave three days later. And so we have been praying that this would just be a great time of worship for you to just, man, to to hear from God, to just worship him to reflect on His sacrifice, but to think about His resurrection. What did God coming back to life, what did that mean for you personally? What did it mean for your marriage and for your family and for your church and for your community? Think about what difference does it make to know that God is alive and well? What difference does it make? How do you know that God loves you? I pray that this will be a great time of worship. We're praying that God will use this time, to speak to you. I'm going to pray, and as I pray, if you would just prepare your hearts during that time, and then we're going to take communion together as a church. Father
1: God, thank you for this time. And Father, I want to thank you for sending your Son, Jesus Christ.